You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Hey, good morning, River. I'm so glad that uh, you have chosen to worship with us today and uh, just to join us as we uh, march on through and as we open God's word and honor him and, and, and gather and worship uh, challenging days that we live in. I was driving by uh, on my way here uh, today, just uh, Pinebush Elementary, and it's just, it's sad to drive by a school playground that's just, that there's no life, there's no kids, there's no nothing. But, uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm grateful that we can share and worship our God in the middle of all these challenges. I pray that, uh, that you're doing well. I'm continuing to be amazed at how God has just blessed us as a church and, and you guys individually. I only know of one person in our church that's been confirmed with COVID-19 and uh, that person is doing really well and recovering and honestly was saying, well, what can I do for you, Pastor? And I'm like, nothing, we sh- we're here to help you, you know? So uh, anyway, as, uh, as we open this morning, I'm gonna uh, jump to a new, ch- a new book of the Bible, 2 Thessalonians uh, this morning we're gonna look at. And uh, I was reflecting this week uh, of the last time that I kind of went through a little bit of a disaster, if you will. Uh, it was January 1998. My family and I were living just about half an hour from the Canadian border in the northernmost part of our state. You know you live north when you live north of most of the Adirondacks. And uh, I remember that afternoon distinctly uh, that the weather forecast for that evening was supposed to be a, a pretty bad ice storm. It's pretty unusual, honestly, for that part of our state. We just rarely got ice there. It's just too cold and it always snowed. And I remember driving home that night for dinner and thinking, you know, we're supposed to get a bad storm. I, I probably ought to fill the tank full of gas. So I pulled in and filled the gas tank uh, with gas. And that night began an ice storm that I had never experienced before and I haven't experienced since. But we, over the next course of the next day or two, received two inches of ice. And uh, we were okay that night, but we had lost power sometime along the night. And during the next day, just throughout the days, it kept freezing rain and the ice just kept piling bigger and bigger and bigger. All the trees around our house began to snap in two. Uh, in fact, it was declared a state of emergency. Cars, people were not allowed to leave home at all, only emergency vehicles, only those who had to work at the hospitals, uh, for, you know, for work for the state, putting salt out. But can you imagine, I'm not exaggerating, two inches of ice. And what amazed me was the, of how badly it damaged all of the power poles. We lost power for a whole week. And the reason why was power pole after power pole for miles was just snapped in two. I would have thought that the weight on the lines would have just ripped them out of the, the wooden poles, but actually it didn't. They're secured really well. What happened is the poles themselves just snapped and even metal poles, big transmission lines and power lines were down. There were communities in our area that were down for uh, without power for a month. It was a really bad situation. And this was January in an area where it often would get down to 40 below zero. And I can remember that that next day, you know, kind of going through it. Wow, what are we going to do? And kind of everything shutting down and and the, the immensity of the storm began settling in on our whole area. And I remember we had three little kids, uh, five and under. In fact, one was uh, six months old. 
or so. And, uh, and we did something, we kind of made the best of it. You know, how do you keep a family warm when you don't have any heat and you have no power? And so I pitched our little, our family tent in our living room. And I thought, well, we'll just all kind of snuggle down in there and keep everybody warm. And it was a fun little experience for the kids. And I think we probably even brought in a little bassinet or the little pack and play we had for our, our baby. And, and uh, we hunkered down and realized that was only good for a night. It was getting colder and colder. And so uh, a church family invited us to come live with them. So we moved uh, three kids and all into their home and kind of, uh, huddled down and held the fort, you know, for a week or so. Uh, up until this, that was the biggest, you know, uh, natural disaster that, that we had ever been through. Well, this morning, as we look at 2 Thessalonians, I want us to realize that Paul, the apostle, is writing a letter to a people, to a church, that in some ways are hunkering down. They're, they're experiencing tremendous tribulation, in fact, persecution of them as a church. And they were going through some really difficult circumstances. And it was in the middle of that that Paul is writing this letter to encourage them and to instruct them, to teach them some specific things. But he's also writing in a way that he wants to encourage them, to give them a, a hope and to help them to kind of pull their head up out of the water and to have a hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning as we look at, we're just going to look at three or four verses this morning because there's, there's honestly a lot in here that we tend to blow by in, in some of these letters from Paul. But what he's really focusing this morning is encouragement. So I'm going to open us with prayer and uh, pray that God would take his word and help me communicate it in a way that hits home. It's a blessing that intersects into your world and whatever's going on in your day and your life. And honestly, COVID-19 is only one piece of it. You've got other stuff going that, that I know not of. And I'm going to pray that God would take his word and use it. So pray with me first, would you? Father, I'm grateful to be able to share today. I'm so grateful that we can worship and be true and that, Lord, it's this is a reminder that as we're not able to be in this building uh, together as a church, it's a reminder that the building is not the church, that we the people are the church, and the church is alive and well. And while we're not gathered, we are scattered, uh, living our life, representing you, and we're engaging and connecting and online and social media. And Lord, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for Zoom, that our groups can gather. I'm grateful for all these opportunities. Lord, would you help me to remember and to convey the things that you've put in my heart and the things that you've clearly shared in your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me read with you the first couple of verses in 2 Thessalonians. The Bible says this, Paul, Silvanus, which is Silas, and Timothy. Paul wrote it, and it's from them to the church. He says, to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are a student and have been in church or read the Bible very much, you'll recognize this kind of introduction as uh, the common way that Paul would, would often begin his letters as he is often away and as he's writing back to the churches that he helped begin or those that he was encouraging. I, I want you to notice four things this morning. I want you to notice four things that God means to encourage us to how do we to help us to navigate those those challenging days, those those difficulties. And when we're setting up tents and trying to make camp in our home and trying to do the unusual or, or just make it through what's going on. But four things that God wants to encourage us with this morning. And the first thing I want you to recognize is, is that that God wants us to recognize our security is in him. Our security is in him. He says 
He's writing to the church of the Thessalonians. Thessalonica is a port city in the, the country of Greece. It still exists to this day, though in a slightly different location. And there was a new church there of followers of Jesus Christ. And Paul had already written them one letter that we had just wrapped up a couple weeks ago. And he's writing them a second correspondence to, to encourage them in their, in their faith in the middle of the difficulty to help them gain some perspectives. And he could have easily just said, Paul and and Silas and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, but he didn't. He says, he says to the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's telling them, he's reminding them of their identity, that they as a church, a local church body, are in God the Father and in, inside the Lord Jesus Christ. He's telling them that they have an identity, but more than an identity, it's an identity to the point of security. What Paul is reminding them is that they need to recognize is this. He's trying to help them to process the deep challenges and persecutions that they're facing as a church, much more, frankly, than what we're going through as a church body. Some of you are going through some harder things, more difficult things than collectively what we're going through. But the church and, and, that Paul is writing to is going through even more than, than all of that. And what he's saying is, is for you guys to be thinking about the difficulties and how you live through the challenges of life, whatever you may be facing is, is you need to recognize the, that you have an identity that is in God our Father and it is in the Lord Jesus Christ and it's to the point of security. Listen to what Paul says elsewhere in another letter. He says in Colossians 3.3, he says this, he says, for you, talking to the Christians there in, in the, the city of Colossae, he says, you have died. In other words, you've died spiritually. You've died to your sins. You're born again. And your life is hidden. Listen to this. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden. See, the Bible talks all the time about us being in Christ, in Jesus Christ, in God. And it's difficult for us to get our, our minds wrapped around. But what God is telling us is that we are not physically inside of God, but there is a very real sense in which you and I, when we surrender our life to Jesus, when we are saved by the blood of our Lord Jesus that was shed for our sins, and we say yes to God and trust Him with our our heart and our soul and our mind, our everything to say, be the one who saves us from our sin through his son, Jesus. We become in Christ. We become in God. He adopts us. We were separated, socially distant from God, as I shared last week on Easter. Cut off from God, separated. Instead, now God moves us very close and we're inside of him. And our life, as I just read in Colossians 3.3, is hidden with Christ in God himself. You see, God wants us to know, to recognize that when we walk through the deep things of life, we walk through the deep challenges of life, when we walk through the hardship and the difficulties, he wants us to recognize that we have an identity, that we're with him, that we're not alone, we're not in this alone, and that we are already accepted and forgiven as a child of God, we are in God, we are saved and born again, that we are secure inside of him. See, everything else that Paul writes after this, he wants them to know. 
Guys, you are secure in him. So this morning, I want you to consciously recognize what God has communicated in his word. And what he wants you to remember this morning to thank him for, to be grateful for, to talk about as a family, to be appreciative of, is that you have an incredible security. Whatever challenges you are facing this morning or will face tomorrow or next year, whatever those things may be that, that you need to recognize that you have an identity, that your life is secure, that it is hidden away, treasured away, secure in God. We have a, a, a little, uh, like a fireproof safe in our home. And honestly, it's not so much to keep burglars out. Uh, probably is a pretty easy lock to pick, but it's really there. It has our important you know, things like our birth certificates and those you know, social security cards, those kinds of things. Because if our house was ever in a fire, I want it to be a fireproof safe. Those things are in that safe and they're, and they're secure. That's what God is trying to give us this morning is that sense of security that we are in God. Second thing I want you to notice, these things are easy to pass over because they're mentioned so often, but he, he's not only writing to the local church and not just any church, but the church that's secure in God and in the Lord Jesus Christ. But he says to us two things. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. If you've read much of the Bible or been to church or you know, been through different studies, if you're a student of the Bible, you'll recognize this is a common thing that Paul says. In fact, if you were to take time right now and to turn to Romans, guess what Paul said when he was writing to the church at Rome? He said, grace to you and peace. Guess what he said in 1 Corinthians, the next book over? Grace to you and peace. 2 Corinthians, Grace to you and peace. Galatians and Ephesians, grace to you and peace. Ephesians, Philippians and Colossians, guess what he said? Grace to you and peace. And can you dare hazard a guess what he said in 1 Thessalonians? Yes, grace to you and peace. You see, we have a tendency in churches to blow by that. Well, that's so common. Paul says that to everybody. That's, he just always says that. Can, may I submit to you this morning that actually because Paul says it all the time, means it's actually all the more important that these aren't just free words that are just thrown out there things that he's supposed to say because that's the way he's supposed to start a, a sermon or write his write his letter to the church no these are actually different God is trying to put some provisions together to remind the church to remind them that they need to receive the provisions that God is giving them fresh and new that God is giving them today when they, and every day when they read that letter, God is giving them grace and he's giving them peace. Think about it this way. How many times did your mom say when you were growing up that she loved you? How many times did your grandmother say that she loved you? When we're young, we tend to take those things for granted. But when we're older, you, hopefully a little wiser, hopefully a little mature, we begin to appreciate those things a little bit more and not just blow by them. See, there's some of you listening this morning whose moms have, or grandmothers have passed away that would give almost anything to hear your mom look in the eye and say, I love you. You see, what Paul is reminding us of this morning is that God in heaven himself is uttering to us grace and peace. 
that he's telling us that. And no matter how many times he's told it to us in, in the past, he wants it to sink into our soul and to receive it like fresh bread that's baked, fresh brownies coming out of the oven. We've been doing a lot of baking at home. It's probably bad for our health, but it's good for our, our sanity and our encouragement. You know, as those fresh cookies or brownies come out of the oven, just to, to receive the freshness of that. And God afresh wants us to receive that, that grace and that peace that comes from him. See, he's, he, it should never get old. And we should never take it for granted. It's important. And he's telling this to us because, uh, because we have a tendency. When we're in the middle of a trial or a tribulation or a circumstance that is difficult, and we have a tough time wrapping our mind around it, and it's really hard, and let's be honest, we begin to say, like, God, where in the world are you? We begin, if we're not careful, in the recesses of our mind, and all the way to the front of our mind, God just doesn't love me anymore. God's absent in this situation. God's just quiet. He either doesn't, isn't paying attention, or he's not big enough, or he doesn't care. You see, Paul is reminding us of this because regardless of where we are in life right now, what he's telling us is God's grace is toward us. It's coming to us. What's significant in all those letters that Paul says those exact same things, those letters are for, to different churches, different situations, different people. Some of those churches were doing a pretty good job of following Christ. Some were doing not such a good job, and Paul had to really get on them for a bunch of different things, as a, almost like a parent. But what is significant is that regardless of the situation, regardless of whether they were really blowing it and disobeying God, or whether they were being really faithful and obedient, in every one of those situations, God was saying, my whole disposition of what's coming from me to you is grace. You see, that tells me that you and I, once we have surrendered our life to Jesus, no matter what's going on in our world, that we should never doubt that God's disposition in this situation, God's stance, God's moving toward us is always a hand of grace. It is always a hand reaching out and God loving us in a way that we have not earned, which is what grace is, reaching out to his caring force in a way that we do not deserve, that God is blessing us beyond what really should be, that in every situation, God is giving grace to us. And it should be an encouragement that, that he wants us to receive that, that grace that, that comes from him as our father, and that comes through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us. You see, God wants us to receive that provision of grace, that in every situation, the grace to not just make it, but the grace to, to live and thrive and to honor our Lord Jesus, God wants us to receive every day of our life. The Bible in the Old Testament says that God renews His mercies day by day. New Testament tells us that God's grace is the regular pattern of everything coming in our life. So when you get down or you get discouraged or you get wondering where is God in the middle of all of this mess, you need to look up and say, God, I may not see your hand, but I know you have grace toward me. But that's not all. Notice he also says peace. He says grace and peace. He emphasizes those two words. 
Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the binding together in unity, that which was, has been pulled apart, that which has been separated, that has been ripped apart. When two people are, have fought together, they're ripped apart. Peace comes not when they just stop fighting. Peace actually comes when they come back together in unity and reunite. When I lived up in Potsdam, that, that town that I was telling you that we had that, that horrible ice storm that today is, is still infamous. You could Google it and see the videos and the pictures are pretty breathtaking. Uh, when I lived there, uh, I, one of the deacons in our church was responsible. He worked for the railroad, the, for CSX, that, and his job was to oversee the maintenance of all the railroad tracks from Syracuse all the way to Ottawa uh, in Canada. And he told me, I don't remember the exact temperature difference, but he told me, he said, Sean, when, whenever the temperature drops in a 24-hour period of time, and I, I think it was somewhere around 20 degrees, 20 or 30 degrees, which is pretty rare. It's not that common, but, you know, maybe once or twice a winter. He said, whenever the temperature drops that much, I have to send out a crew to inspect every single inch of that train track, no matter what time of day, what day of the year they have to look at every inch and he said the reason why is this is in the winter time when the sun comes out and heats that metal that steel and heats it up um, that 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 steel begins begins to, to change it actually begins to uh, expand and when the temperature plummets at night it begins to shrink and it expands and it shrinks and as it goes through the winter time it's constantly those steel rails are going back and forth and back and forth. And what they're beginning to do is they're beginning to saw away at the metal spikes that hold that rail in place. And when the temperature drops so quickly that it's such a violent experience that that's the time in which the, it's the kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back, that the steel rail will literally cut into those spikes. And when that happens, the steel rail will separate a foot or more apart. And any trail, any train carrying chemicals or anything down through there is going to derail and, and cost hundreds of thousands of dollars and, and more, maybe even cost someone their life. He said, I have to send a, a team out to inspect every inch of that track. And when they come to that spot, they've got to fix it. I said, what do you do? I said, do you cut another piece of rail and stick it in there until, you know, later on? He said, no. So what I have to do is this, because if I did that, when it heats up, it would buckle and all go to pieces. He says, that steel has to be heated up. So we take a 100, 150 foot hemp rope soaked in kerosene and we lay it out on that steel rail and we light it on fire. And as that steel heats up, it begins to go back and expand into place. And when those two ends meet, that's peace. We nail it down all over again. You see, what God is telling us is this, is that when you and I go through the turmoils of life, be it persecution because of our faith, be it any kind of tribulation, is what Paul talks about in just a minute in the verse, that, uh, verse 4 that we ended up with. He talks to us about being steadfast in persecution, pointed attacks of our faith, and any kind of affliction like COVID-19. He tells us that, that we're to remain steadfast in those. And what happens is when we go through those difficulties in life, internally, we begin to, to get 
to go through the turbulence and we go through the difficulty and we go through the challenges and eternally it begins to rip us apart. It begins to, to pull us apart and worries and fears and frustrations. Think about when you've had a hard day at work, how you come home and you're just, ugh. Think about when how somebody's chewed you out or something bad's going on or you have a fight with somebody that you care about. It pulls you apart with them and it messes you up inside. That's why we go online and we post things that we shouldn't and why we get on the phone and talk and we complain. We lash out in anger. What's happening is, is we have a, a lack of peace. If you struggle with anger management issues, your real deeper issue is finding peace in the middle of all of that storm. And what God is telling us, and he's encouraging us, that, that, that he's the source of that peace. You see, not only is God wanting us to know that grace and peace are always coming down toward us, no matter what's going on, but he's telling us that real grace and real peace, which is what we crave and need in life, every person needs it, comes from him. He's telling us that that peace of being okay and internally being put back together again, being at peace with it, being whole, not being ripped apart at the seams, not, not all of the stuff that's pulling at us, but that real peace that we crave only comes from him. You see, Paul is subtly telling us, he's telling us this because it's a reminder that there are a lot of peace substitutes in the world around us. See, we're, we're looking for that peace. We're looking for that sense of wholeness as people individually. When things are tough and we're going through the challenges of life, we want, we want things to even out. We want the balance sheet to come to zero. We want, we want everything to be right. And we will grab at other substitutes. We turn to food to make us feel better, to give us a sense of rightness and wholeness, a sense of peace. But food can't provide that. We turn to not just eating too much, but some turn to not eating at all out of trying to control and get to that internal sense of peace. Some, some teens and young adults, particularly women, will cut themselves trying to get to that sense of peace, coping and dealing with the pain inside of them, of the turbulence of of what's gone on and what's happened in their life. And they're pursuing a substitute. Some people turn to sex. Some people turn to what they can buy to make themselves feel well, feel better, encourage and find hope and peace in the middle of it. Some people turn to alcohol. I just gotta have, I gotta have my glass of wine. I want to encourage you, the Bible does tell us that drunkenness is the sin, not alcohol. But can I tell you, in a culture and a society where drunkenness is rampant and addiction is common, that as soon as you say, I got to have that, you are actually turning to a peace substitute. You're looking to find your wholeness through that glass. And you're probably not in control of it as much as you think. And it's not honoring God as much as you realize either. 
You see, we are wound. We need peace and grace. And Paul's telling us, guys, our grace and our peace comes from God. Our peace in the middle of all of this is not from a government bailout. It's not even from being able to go back to work. Our grace and our peace comes from God in heaven. So as followers of Jesus, I want you to look in your heart and take a search. And where have you looked for peace substitutes to put yourself back together again? You see, we have lives that are ripped apart by those substitutes. There's a word in the Bible called for that, and it's called idols. And what God allows us to go through is to go through that difficulty of life so that those become glaring to us and we see them. So we'll see that idol for what it is and reject it. So I want to challenge you, if that or some other areas of your life where you have been trying to find peace on your own, those things won't ever do it for you. They can't possibly do it for you. You need to turn toward God. Thinking about nothing gives you that kind of solace and helps put you back together again. And there's a spiritual component to all of that. But, but that's a, a peace substitute that doesn't really provide lasting peace. It's temporary. It's, it's like eating cotton candy, that it, it tastes good for the few seconds you have it. And after you've had it, it dissolves and melts in your mouth and it goes away. And does it really do any good? Not really. It doesn't do what people claim. It doesn't last. You can't, in the middle of the crises, tell the world, oh, wait, world, stop spinning, stop moving. I need to get some peace. You're going to come out of whatever that moment that tasted good for that, that you could kind of blank your mind for that, you know, that, that momentary time. But you still got to come back and to deal with all those realities. The peace that God gives is a supernatural peace that comes from Him that it's his grace and peace just fresh towards you, that it's in the middle of all of the crisis, that you don't have to stop what you're doing to experience it. It's in the middle of all of the things of life, and it's the let you be put back together as you walk through the challenges. So church, Paul's encouraging us to recognize our security, to receive the provision that God has for us, to, that he wants to be that, you know, like send us away on our journey with the provision of his grace and peace in our pocket and our heart. Think about this way. If you've sent away a, 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 a child off to college or their first job or their move or whatever, or, or maybe you've, you've been the opposite. Maybe your parents have moved away and moved south or you've done something like that. And, and in your heart, you just you give them a big hug and you say, I love you. You know what you're doing? You're putting some provision in their heart and in their pocket that no matter the rest of that day and the next day and that week, that whatever challenge you difficulty on the road, you want them to remember that if nobody else in the world is for them, that you love them and to have that provision and to have that, that hope. That's what God is telling us with this grace and this peace, this church, that today that is yours, that that is what God has provided for you. Well, the two last things that I want to share, and I'll be a little quicker about these last two things, is that not only does God want us to recognize our security that we have in Him, not only does He want us to receive that provision, but He wants us to rejoice in our growth. Look at what verse 3 says. He says, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right. We ought to do it because your faith is growing abundantly. And the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Paul says, I want you guys to rejoice that your faith is growing and your love is increasing even more. 
He wanted them to know it. He saw it from afar. He was like that, that aunt or that uncle that comes back and hasn't seen the kids or nieces or nephews in a year or two and says, wow, you've been, how big you are. When my, when my grandparents or my you know, aunt or uncle would say that to me, I would kind of, okay, I, I didn't really notice it. They saw it. You know, we never see our own growth. But what Paul was wanting them to realize is that, guys, I know you're feeling pulled apart. I know you're trying to survive in the middle of this, this persecution and tense reality and the people in the church that are stirring things up a bit. I want you to realize that you're growing and that's amazing. And your love for one another is, is absolutely astounding. I want you to, to realize that and have a, a joy in that. We know from the book of James that Paul tells us that we should rejoice, count it all joy when we have various trials and tribulations. When we have these kinds of things going on in our life, he tells us that we should count as a joy, not that we're excited about those problems. None of us should be excited about COVID-19. We shouldn't be excited when we have issues in our lives and all those things. But what we should be excited about is how God uses them. You see, what he's doing in all of those situations is he's strengthening our faith. What God is trying to do is he doesn't just want to save us and love us. He does want to do that, but he wants to strengthen us. He wants to grow us and make us strong in our faith. You know, we all want to be comfortable in our life. We all want to have it easy. We all want to kick back. But God, for God's, from his perspective, spiritually, he knows that our faith is like a muscle. And he is that guy who's that, that, that coach, that, that trainer in our ear saying, you can do it, come on, you can do it. And he's pushing us and he's growing our faith and our trust in him that not just when things are good, but when things are bad, challenging us and growing us in that faith. The story is told of Job that uh, he was a man that God had his eye on. In fact, the first book of the Bible that was written, not the, about the first time, that's the book of Genesis, but the first book that was actually written was most likely Job. And the story is told that, that Satan was there visiting God along with the other angels. And God said, have you seen my man Job? And Satan said, I've seen him, not impressed. The only reason he is so, you know, honors you is because you've put such walls around him that I can't touch him, and he's got it too easy. You let me mess with him, and you watch. He'll curse you to your face, God. God said, all right, you can do it. Just don't touch his body. Satan goes, and the Bible tells us that in the same day, Satan, that all of Job's cows were killed, all of his livestock, all of his sheep, gone, all of his camels gone, and then the messenger came that there was a freak situation that all of his kids died. He lost all of his economic stability. In essence, he lost his job and all potential to have any job. He was broke. Lost his, all of his kids and one swoop buckled him in his knees. But he still stayed true to God. Satan was back talking with God and God said, have you seen my man Job? And he said, yeah. I'm not impressed. You let me touch his body. He'll curse you to your face. That's what Satan always wants us to do. Where is God in the middle of all of this? And God said, all right, you can mess with him, but you can't take his life. And the Bible says that 
boils came from the bottom of his heel, foot to the top of his head, that, that Job was in such physical agony, much like COVID-19, but, but worse. All his family was touched. In fact, he lost all of his finances. His health was completely terrible. It scraped the sores and the boils off his body with, with bits of clay and pottery. In fact, the people that were around him, his wife told him to curse God and die. She was not helpful at all. And his friends were coming to him and saying, what in the world did you do, Job, that's wrong? Just it's your fault that you're in the middle of this. Job would have welcomed some social distancing from those that were left. Can I please get away from you crazy people? I haven't done anything. And the Bible says that Job's testimony is this. Though God slay me, yet I will still praise him. You see, God gave him that strength. God was glorified because God was the one that, was, that strengthened Job to endure those hard, difficult realities of life. And God later blessed Job even more than what he went through. You see, Paul wanted the church there, the Thessalonians, to say, look, guys, I know you're in the fire, but I want you to rejoice that God is growing you in your faith and you are glorifying God in heaven who is helping you stay strong. See, that's what God is trying to do right now for us as a church, for us as Christian families. That's what we should be talking about in our homes is that God wants, He's growing our faith. He's strengthening us. Strengthening us now to glorify Him. He's strengthening us to be able to endure even bigger things that might come down the line. And he's even increasing our capacity to love. I, I don't understand that. I think, God, how can I love any more? But think about this with me. Is God not infinite in his love? The answer to that is yes. God is infinite in all of his attributes and his perfections. He's infinite in his love. There is no end to the love that God has for his children. That same God lives inside of us. We are in God that I just read a minute ago, and God is in us. That love that you and I have right now for those around us, what God is doing is He's increasing it. You see, our faith as well as our love only increases in the middle of the difficulty. And I, and I think, you see, none of us love nearly as much as we think we are able. God increases it in the middle of the difficulties of life. So while the world may think what all of this is going around is terrible, where's God in it? We as a church should say, God, I know this is hard, but we know that you are strengthening us and you're growing our love for one another. Last thing and I'll be done. We should not only recognize our, our strength, that, that our security that comes from God, to, we should receive those provisions of that grace and that peace for that journey in front of us, that we should rejoice in the growth and the, what God is doing in our lives in the middle of the difficulty. But we, we finally should recognize and be encouraged that God is using us to strengthen the faith of others. You see, our persecutions and our tribulations, our trials, our challenges that we go through in life, as we walk by faith in those, so that it reinforces the faith of others. Look what Paul says in verse 4. He says this, Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God 
for your steadfastness and faith and all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. He says, church, we, we brag about you. We talk to you about all the other churches around. And we tell them how you are enduring and how your, your faith is strong and increasing in that. We want them to know that. We're not telling them to provide competition. Oh, look how good that team's doing. All those churches were on the same team. It was actually the opposite. Paul was saying, look, look at the challenges they're going through. Look how difficult it is. Look how, what a rough time it is. And yet look at their faithfulness and how they are enduring in their walk with God and how they're growing in their faith. And if they're doing that, you can continue too. You see, every time you and I humbly walk forward <laughs> we may be limping forward we may even be crawling forward in our faith so wobbled by whatever is going on in our life and the questions abound and all of that hits us we don't realize it but others are looking and saying wow how are you able to continue and we just humbly push forward trusting our God to work what happens is, is God uses us to bless and encourage the other people around us. And we don't, we don't see it. We have no clue how much just our faithfulness, how we endure in the middle of hardship and suffering and the trials and obstacles and challenges of life, but how much it blesses the people around us. When you go through these things in your life, whether it's now or later on, whether it's later on, after, long afterwards, I want, you to, I want you to take encouragement that God is trying to bless other people through you, through your life. That His peace and His grace is sufficient for you in the middle of your life. That He's strengthening you, that even if the world wonders, is this a mess and means for bad, that we know it's for good. And that God is actually trying to use you to encourage those around you. What I've realized in, in all of this COVID, you know, that all of us have different things going on. And for everybody, it's a little bit of a different experience. And for some, it's an inconvenience. Others, it's much more serious. But, you know, we all have things going on. This, this week, it was kind of laughable. You guys, if you, are, if you are, have been to River before, know that the challenges that I have with my water are just an ongoing. There's nothing in my life that that God has used more in teaching me humility and trust and dependence with Him. I've run the gamut from being angry and discouraged to just all, all kinds of things, dealing with all the crazy water issues at my home. And, and, and with everybody at, in my home now, we have a couple of wells, and with everybody home, it puts more pressure on our main well. And we have an auxiliary well. When that one struggles, we can switch to the auxiliary well. Well, some of the water table changed in that in the last year or so, and now with all of the heavy rain we had, it's actually gotten kind of, it's gotten dirty and dingy and almost muddy in this last week or so. And, and so this week our main water went out and then now I'm looking at that and thinking, you know, this is laughable. Here we're not supposed to go anywhere. And yet when we all stay at home, you know, my home is barely right now. This is not a good situation. And literally the same day the water went out and we're struggling with how do we handle that? Then we're in the middle of making dinner and the power goes out. I mean, for five seconds, I meant for hours and we're literally right in the middle of making dinner and we had pulling out camp stoves and in the middle, you know how it is when you have to shift and, and shuffle and do things differently. We kind of, the whole meal had to shift and somewhere along the way, the, the, the cooking oil began to fall over and 
And uh, one of my daughters uh, managed to catch it and stop it, but not before it put a oil striped litter. I don't know how this happened, but from the back, the top of my dog's head, all the way down his back, down the whole tail, just cooking oil right across the whole thing. And then he being a dog, you know, proceeds to walk, you know, with what's spilled on the floor and then walking around in the, in the dining room and the kitchen is just laughable. I think, well, we got to clean that up and now I got to wash the dog. Wait, we don't have good water to wash the dog with. It just, I don't know how in the middle of all of this, what in your world the things are. And that's kind of funny. I mean, it's, it's painful, but it was, it's funny now what you're battling. But church, God always uses difficulty and suffering, tribulations, persecutions, always for our good, always. So remember, you're secure in Him. If you know the Lord Jesus and He has saved you, you're secure. If you know Him and are saved, His grace and His peace are your provisions today, that everything can be right in your world and His love is towards you today, no matter what it may seem like that God's growing you in those difficulties. It's not the difficulties in your decisions and what's going on in life. It's not because God doesn't love you. It's actually He's teaching you, He's growing you, making you strong and teaching you to love other people in the midst of the brokenness and the difficulty. And He's encouraging other people through your obedient life. So River, I want to challenge you. Talk about these things. Go to God this morning and thank Him for the difficulties in your life. Ask Him, to help you to grow. Ask Him to help you to, to focus on His grace and to find peace in Him. Maybe you've got some areas where you have allowed some of those, those peace substitutes, those idols to come into your life. Identify those. Spend some time praying before God of heaven. Maybe you didn't even realize what you're doing in those, but reject that stuff. Step forward in faith and trust Him. Hold your head high encourage somebody else. I love you guys. We are all in this together, and I pray God's blessings on you this week. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.